Welcome to The Intern Whisper, the show all about the future of work. Today we are celebrating National Women's Small Business Month. So I went to, to the streets to ask a few people some questions. My first question was, what do you know about National Women's Small Business Month? Not much. I've seen it before on Instagram from some of the social media bloggers that I follow. I've never heard of it. I don't know a whole lot about the National Women's Small Business Month, but I do know that society is trying to implore equal rights for women in the workplace. Um, this will give women confidence to move forward with their plans of building a business. They'll have access to small business loans if they can prove their business will be successful. And society will want to patronize their business because they see progress in equality in the community. Amazing, right? Think about how many people didn't know about celebrating National Women's Small Business Month. Exactly. In 1972, women only owned 4.6% of all businesses in the United States. As of 2019, women owned 42% of all businesses. In October of 1988, the Women Owned Business Act was passed, allowing women to sign for their own business loan without a male co-signer. And now National Women's Small Business Month is recognized in October because of that. You've gotta be kidding me. Women had to go and get a man to sign for a loan. And as late as 1988, that's just really hard to believe because women got the right to vote in the 60s. So I, and, and that seems just bizarre to me also. But nonetheless, the change in law seems to have helped change the face of what entrepreneurship in America is looking like and how it's represented. And a new prevailing attitude about women as leaders and business owners has come to the table. Yes, women-owned businesses grew 21% from 2014 till 2019. And businesses owned by women of color grew at double that rate. That is incredible. And here we are because of COVID-19, not because of that, but because of all of the deaths that have been brought to the light, um, George Floyd and all of the others, the, the amount of focus now on black owned businesses is just right in front of us. And I'm really glad to see that because the numbers for black women entrepreneurs grew the fastest and there was an increase of 50%. In fact, as of 2019, women of color accounted for 50% of all the women who owned businesses. And I love that. There are nearly 13 million women owned businesses in the United States, employing 9.4 million workers and generating a revenue of 1.9 trillion, a trillion with a T. These are great statistics about how women are business giants in their own way. And Robin, you went out and you asked people another question. Yes, I also asked them, when was National Women's Small Business Month celebrated for the first time? I don't think I know when the first uh, time that National Women's Small Business Month was celebrated, po possibly two to five years ago would be my best guess. I'm not sure when it was first celebrated, but I think it's in the month of October. Other than that, I interviewed Karen Snyder, who happens to be my mom, and she is a marine biologist and an entrepreneur selling sea-inspired home decor. I love this. I love that this is your mom. She's an entrepreneur. She has this whole right brain and left brain thing going on. And I think that this is going to be a great interview. So let's listen in. 
so Karen, you are a marine biologist and you also decided to start your own business selling uh, coastal artwork. That's very interesting. That's right. Yes. Hello. Um, so <laughs> that's so cool that you're able to balance like the, you know, the left and the right brain, the, you know, the logical scientific side, as well as the creative side, right? Yes, definitely. I, f I felt the need to want to be doing something creative with my hands. Um, and also, um, in a, t in a time when work wasn't very, um, busy with the marine science. Um, I work part-time for an environmental consulting firm. Um, so when I'm not doing that, I decided to start making my own coastal artwork, which I sell at a local restaurant and um, some other small shops in town, and also started chalk painting furniture for clients in which I go to their homes if they have large pieces that way they don't have to lug it to a shop or something I can go there and do it for them. That's awesome and which town is that in Florida? In Jupiter um, and I'll travel you know within 20 miles or so to do that um, to do the chalk painting at their homes but the the restaurant is in Jupiter right on the beach. That's great. So um, what is the name that you came up with for your um, coastal artwork business? Um, I have a Facebook page and it's called Sea Inspired Home Decor. And um, I post all of my artwork on there where people can, can browse my pages and uh, maybe order something or look at something to um, put in their living room or their, or their beach house. Um, and also I post the finished before and after photos of the furniture that I've chalk painted to look coastal and beachy. A lot of times people move down here from up north and have traditional dark stained furniture and now they have a beach house and kind of want to go with the lighter look. So. I end up painting their furniture a lot of times white and then kind of sanding the edges and scuffing it so it looks sort of like ocean tumbled, um, okay. just kind of a relaxed coastal look. So they end up loving it and they can use their good quality furniture um, that they brought down from up north. So it works out for, for everyone. That's right. That's great. So um, can you describe some of your artwork pieces? Like what are your best selling pieces um, or what are the different types that you have? Um, one of the best selling pieces are uh, when I paint sea turtles on these distressed wood boards. Um, I paint the, there's like three boards and um, I'll paint them and make them look distressed like it's driftwood. And then I'll paint mm -hmm. a large sea turtle on them and in bright colors, a lot of the blues and teal greens, um, not realistic colors for a sea turtle, but people love it for their, either for their patio, for indoor or outdoors. And um, so that's certainly been one of the biggest sellers, and especially in Jupiter that we have 16,000 sea turtle nests just this one year in, wow. in a nine in a nine mile beach um, um, area nesting area 
that have been um, monitored over the years. And so we're getting more and more. So a lot of people love seeing turtles and it reminds me, it reminds them of, you know, their trip down here or whatnot. So yeah, that works out um, great for, at the restaurant. Um, also the restaurant is called the Lazy Loggerhead. So it fits right in with that theme. <laughs> yeah, um, that's perfect. And yeah. that's also in Jupiter, correct? Yes, yep, right at Carlin Park in Jupiter. Awesome. So that's so cool you get to tie in your interests of marine biology and incorporate that into your artwork. Yes, yep, Amazing. definitely, yes. I try to make my creations anatomically correct and have the right number of scutes on the sea turtles. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's essential, yes. I want to ask you, why did you start your business? Um, I really wanted to do something creative and I had been working part-time at a little shop and I was making shell mirrors, but they weren't really selling. And when I noticed the different things in the shop that were selling, it was more like the distressed wood pieces and whatnot. So that's when I switched over to doing more of the plank wood art and turtles and coastal uh, pieces like that. So I wanted the creative side, plus I wanted just some little extra money here and there so I could, you know, purchase what I wanted or just to feel satisfied with myself, you know, completing a project and making some money feels good. Yes, that's great. So how difficult was it to start your business? It was pretty tricky. I worked for a lot of years at home. I just, I was creating shell mirrors and putting them in my house. And then I brought the shell mirrors to that shop where I had worked and they just were not selling. And I even brought one of them to that little restaurant where I sell the sea turtles. And it pretty much sat there for two years. So instead of just completely giving up, I decided to change my vision and observe what types of items were selling in those places, in the shop and the restaurant. And I altered my artwork to veer towards what people wanted instead of what I thought they would want. So being observant of that um, really helped me make the sales. That part was difficult because I felt like in the beginning, why aren't they selling? And then I realized not everybody loves shell mirrors like I do. So you kind of have to look outside of your own scope and your own tastes and um, see what, what other people are actually purchasing. So after I had switched, then it became a lot easier and I got more and more confident with my skills and, and, making my artwork and then I started doing the chalk painting as well which has been profitable. Okay chalk painting can you tell me a little bit more about what that is and what you mean by that? Yeah it's a chalk based uh, paint that you can paint on top of any other finish without using a primer first Okay, and it's it's meant to be um, a paint that is um, kind of a very low sheen, so flat really, not glossy. It's not gonna be like a a high gloss or anything like that. But, um, and then the plan is for you to make it look distressed and coastal and worn and and Mm -hmm. that kind of look. So you sand the edges 
And so you, you paint it on, you sand the edges, and then you put a, a wax on it so that it will be water resistant to glasses and, and you know, water or like a water glass right. sitting or in condensating or whatever. So um, okay. the wax gives it a little bit of a finish. That's been really profitable doing, doing that kind of uh, work for people. Wow, I bet. That's very, um, you know, different from the ordinary and interesting. Yeah. Especially why yeah. people will like it. So what kept you going in the beginning since starting a business is really hard work. And at first, you know, you don't see like the return for all of your effort that you put forward. Like what kept, what pushed you through that? I just, I wanted to make some money doing something on the side um, on my own time. And mm -hmm. so I needed to just kind of sit back and figure out, okay, this isn't working. So I need to adjust. So I think just the need that I wanted to keep creating um, with my hands and, and doing artwork, you know, at my home and, and have that luxury of being able to, you know, pick up and do it when I want. Um, so that and then um, figuring out, honing in on what, what customers would want was, was um, probably why I was able to be successful. And then sort of the okay. clouds parted and I could figure out, aha, okay, this is working now. So um, I think I just really wanted to strive to be creative and I knew I could do it and just needed to adjust somewhere and yes. um when i when i observed other art going out then i figured it out okay and especially since that's like your passion so it feel it doesn't even feel like work to you i'm sure it's just a matter of, like you said trial and error to see like or what your customer base likes definitely yes yeah so what would you say are your opinions about how men and women treat business like do you think it was do you think it's any harder for you being a woman entrepreneur that's hard to say i guess um it would depend on your confidence because i i really had to get myself to go into different shops and i basically filled my car with all my shell mirrors and went around different places and asked if they wanted to carry them. And so I think, you know, maybe, maybe between women, men and women, um, I don't know that people would treat you differently, but it, you definitely have to have the confidence. So maybe it's just a personality trait okay. that that is more important because you have to be ready for people to say no or not interested or yeah. when they say yes definitely then you know that gets your your interest going even more and then you you know when when the restaurant said yes we want it your artwork yeah um, that's exciting yeah it is exciting and that mm -hmm. that stokes the fire in you to keep going and to keep creating more and more in I feel like I want to please my clients um, when I'm when I'm doing the furniture as well so how would you say that you measure success for your business I measure it in in dollars but also from um, referrals from clients I definitely get more and more jobs 
over and over from different clients and decorators that refer me mm-hmm. um, because they've been so happy. And, and some of my clients will post on my Facebook page, you know, how happy they were. And some have done reviews for me on my page. So that, that feels really good more than the money that you make. It's, you know, a lot of times I make friends that way. Um, the people that I work for end up being, becoming friends and um yeah that that feels good that's Mm -hmm. awesome yeah and how important would you say is um you mentioned your facebook page see inspired home decor how important is social media for the success of your business would you say that you know generates more interesting you know people wanting to have you come and paint their furniture or would you say most of your sales comes from like people seeing it in the restaurant in real life or? I would say a lot of people see it in the restaurant and then I'll send them to the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's people that aren't in my town, um, they will go on the, the, they'll see uh, my artwork and my um, furniture work on the Facebook page and they could be, you know, in Wyoming and like something. Yeah. And so otherwise, yeah, um, social media has been an important part of my advertising. And especially when clients post um, and tag me in their posts as well, it just really increases it exponentially. Yes. I bet it's exciting to see um, your social media following grow. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's another measure for your success as well. Um, How long have you done this? Uh, Let's see. I was looking at a piece of my art the other day and it said 2014 on the back. So about six years I've been doing the turtles and some of that artwork, but the, the shell mirrors and whatnot, which I don't really produce anymore uh, Mm -hmm. for sale. Um, those I was doing probably 10 years ago, but I have them around the house and I love them for myself. So, right. Well, that's so awesome um, to hear about your marine biology career and your small business, which is Sea Inspired. So, thank you so much, Karen Snyder. Um, it was a pleasure interviewing you. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Our second guest is Shelly Costello. She's the owner of Creative Web Concepts, a social media expert, a podcaster, and a best-selling author. So Shelly, welcome to the Interim Whisperer. We are so excited that you uh, said yes to us and we get to learn more about you and what it is that you do in your business and all of our listeners get to hear about you. So tell us about your business. What is it that you do? Well, first, thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity. And um, I'm Shelly Costello and I own Creative Web Concept USA. And it is, we're a very highly creative company in all aspects of digital marketing and social media. We cater directly to, now we do, we have a whole group of women clients, that women entrepreneurs and CEOs that we support with their social media, their marketing or virtual assistant uh, needs so that they can work on their growing their business as women because women are just like 
women businesses, you know, they're just going and booming and so they need support. But for the most part, the bulk of our business is for the real estate, mortgage, title company, legal, lawyers, insurance companies, any governed agency within the vendors of the real estate um, scope. So we handle all of their digital marketing, social media, video marketing, video filming, blogging, email databases, funnels. I mean, everything, uh, we manage their, all their open houses. We manage their MLS. We manage, um, yeah, you know, like when they're sold, when they go on the market, when there's new homes, when there's new listings, we just keep that all flowing and managed with videos and their YouTube channels. And we just keep them out there with a very powerful high digital footprint. Wow, that sounds amazing. Do you also work with commercial real estate? Because I have a ton of people I could send your way. I do. We do residential and commercial. And so and we're really well versed all over the country. We have clients. Um, we have international clients, a few of them. And but yeah, we have clients from Seattle to Boston, from South Texas to South Miami, and then east and west to the beaches. So yeah, we have clients all over the country. That sounds amazing. So I'm serious. I'm going to make sure I send my real estate um, friends and also those. I have a company that I work with, Coldwell Banker um, NRT. They're throughout the whole, whole state. So I will definitely hook you up with them. All right. So why did you start this business? This is the we're celebrating National Women's Small Business Month. And so you had to start small to grow into this big, giant company that you are now. It sounds giant. <laughs> it's 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 like it's pretty big for a solo entrepreneur. My and I retired my husband and, and the help that we have for us. It's big to that where you're in that higher scale, higher scale thing. It's it's a pretty big animal that we control, but it's not like you know a five story building. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. So why did you start it? Why real estate? Well, this is really a funny story, so I'll try to make it brief for you. Um, so I spent, um, so I went to real estate school, decided, oh my gosh, I am not going to drive around in the heat. I live in Florida all day long, jumping in and out of my car, showing how this is just so boring. I'm just not going to do this. Wrong. So, but I was in title. My first job was in a title company in Sanford, Florida. I was 16 and I started as a receptionist, worked my way up to an abstractor in the day we had big books from the courthouse to research public records to do property title and then I moved up to an escrow agent where I was actually doing all the ordering of the like their uh, homeowners insurance their payoffs on their home doing all that for the closer and then I moved up to be a closer and then I was headhunted into another title company as a branch manager and then I was headhunted into another so I had about 17 years in title working with realtors were my people. And if I didn't have realtors, I will not bring in contracts to close. And at my last company, you know, I had to support contracts coming in for three branches of a Fortune 500 title service provider. And I was the marketing rep for this national title company. And it was my job to wine and dine, visit, do whatever with the realtors now. Um, they hire me a closer and everybody else, but for me to just generate business. So I loved that because I hated all those years being in the office at the desk. Although they say, oh, Shelly, you shine at the closing table, go do my closing. But um, realtors were it. And so 
one day, I don't know what happened to me. The entrepreneur bug just bit me. <laughs> I walked into, um, I, I had so many realtors. My thought was, I could so do this on my own. It kept nagging me. I, I could so turn this into something. I'm, I'm tired of the, the, I love the free credit cards going out and wanting dining, but I could so have freedom, flexibility and freedom of my life. So I didn't have a plan. I just walked in one day and I said, um, hey boss, um, so how do you quit? I've never quit a job before. Oh no. <laughs> and he opened his eyes, he goes, what? I said like, well, like, you know, how do you quit? And, you know, first thing I know, he thought, are you drinking or something? I'm like, yeah. no, really, like, if I just decided one day that I don't want to do this anymore, how do I not do this anymore? He goes, okay, let's talk. So we went through this whole thing, right? And I said, okay, I still don't want to do this anymore. So how do I do this? So he says, well, you need to give a notice. If you're serious about leaving your $80,000 a year salary plus benefits, plus bonuses, plus car allowance that you get, plus free credit card, plus everything, which probably totals $120,000. If you want to give all that up and walk out this door for nothing, you can write it, give us a notice. I said, okay, but how long does that take? He said, normally two weeks in your position, I need a month to replace you. I cannot just stop business coming in this company because we're out of business. So I need to replace you and I need you to train. But what if I don't want to do it for a month? <laughs> and he said, well, how long, when were you thinking of leaving? I said, today, now? <laughs> now? like not come back from lunch. He said, ah, you're serious. And so um, that's what I did. I mean, yeah, they escorted me off the property, took all my, shut down the logins to the computers. I mean, like everything we're still, I get, I mean, this is, I have a good rep reputation with them. And, um, but yeah, and I walked. You were young, school. right? How old were you when you uh, did that? Oh, I already had my 17 years in title and did my little mortgage, my real estate trial, and then that mortgage. I went to mortgage broker school at Rollins College, and then I decided, oh gosh, I am not going to do this. Went back to title, and then um, yeah, no, I was like in my late 30s or whatever. I guess I was young, so I uh, just. I walked out the door and it was like, how am I going to pay the bills? <laughs> you I didn't even think, bills? gosh, I could go and be a contractor with them instead. So maybe, maybe that would have given you more freedom. I didn't. Facebook had, was on the scene. Social media was buzzing. I was a marketer. I was like everywhere. I knew everybody. I knew every agent. And in one week I replaced my income. Um, I said, I'll do your marketing for you instead of the company. I contacted ah. every real estate agent and said, I will do all of your business marketing for your real estate agent, every bit of it. And you'll never have to do any other marketing. I'll do your newsletters. I'll do your Facebook, your Twitter, all of your social media. I'll create all of your content. I'll manage all of your listings. I will do that. Here's a set price, everything included, you know, and boom, 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 boom. Just realtors, just coming on board as fast as I could onboard them to get them manage their accounts, get them set up on PayPal subscriptions to pay me and just, just, just kept going and going and going and going and going until, I mean, you know, we probably manage close to 400 social profiles a month. Wow. That is an amazing story. I graduated I from Rollins also. 
<laughs> I got referred to mortgage people and they're like, oh my gosh, will you do mine? I'm like, sure. So we got mortgage people. I've got several title companies. I've got attorneys, um, Boston and I've got attorneys all over the country, brokers. I've got a, you know, real estate brokers with 200 agents under them. So yeah, it, it was the scariest thing I ever did. But I'm going to tell you, when I walked out that door and I looked behind me, something inside said, I'll never be in corporate America again. I will be free. I am a woman that can generate my future, generate my income. I can create my life and have this flexibility and I'm never going back to corporate America. And that was it. It was, it was, it was a done deal. The moment I said, how do you quit? It was done in my heart. For me, I, I feel the same way. I'm relating to every word that you said. I think that the, the thing that when people say, oh, I want to be my own boss, you put in more hours than you did in the job. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I um, retired my husband from corporate America. He was with Florida hospital systems for several, many, many years in the IT computer department. And it was a very, you know, it's very stressful. All these doctors, computers and Blackberries and all the technology that he's got to service and fix them. So I called him up and said, you can give your two week notice and draw your retirement. I have a job for you. I need you to run my company, which he does. Uh -huh. I just, I sell and do the creative stuff. I don't do all the, the money, the financing, the book. I, I don't know what comes in. It's just like, hey, I need this. I got the money for it. It's like, yeah. So, and he's setting up a new studio. But yeah, I retired him and he's been with me for eight years. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I want to create not just my life, but I created our life. Yeah, something that you you build together. That's wonderful. I love that. So, I know this was hard work, but you know, did you ever feel like there was like, oh, forget it. I just want to put it, just put it to the side, scale it down, whatever. Did you ever feel that way? Yeah, we've talked about that many times. Like, okay, last night at one forty-five when I was still working in the morning, and then. My phone rang at 545. I'm like, okay, I said to my husband this morning, this very day, I am done. This is it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you say that every day. No, um, I love, love, love what I do. Um, I mean, I'm very good at what I do. I do very creative copywriting and creative graphics and images and assets to distribute to the world visually. Um, but yeah, growing before, we have some people that work for us with us, some freelancers we're both working 12, 14 hour days. Some days because of the real estate industry and the end of the month and open house and stuff, we still like, nobody can do what we need to do. So there's no giving our helper this to do. They do the support work. So we still have to, we, we work long days. We can travel when we want, have computers. We set up if we are in a hotel room or wherever, we prepare that in advance. We prepare the technology. Uh, we can travel, no, you know, uh, so it's just, it works well. And then some days we just work eight hours and call it a day. We do not work on Sundays. We work half a day Saturday. And so we really have a good life. The week gets a little bit hectic, but there were a few times I said, let's just cancel all these clients, but these really big ones and keep them. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like, he, he told me one day, he goes, Shelly, look at the finances. If I cut out all those clients you're talking about, and so that he goes, that portion of our company is 62,000 a year. Okay, we'll keep them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like a little quadrant of our, 
quadrant and then we've got this group over here and this so yeah it's no it's good i love them all it's just sometimes we're, but we are we always plan for retirement we're always planning moving mm -hmm. to the day to sell the company keep up client but we're always getting new clients so it we're in no way ready to stop we love what we do we love our clients so how do you think that men and women approach business differently? Because again, it's Women's National Women's Small Business Month. And I think that we do approach it very differently. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I have a very kind of maybe a different opinion of that because I actually sure. work with a man who runs my company, okay, and approaches my business. And that's probably our biggest um, point of discussion, okay? Like, um, okay, I appreciate what you're trying to say. Uh, however, at the end of the day, I run the company. <laughs> I mean, I've had to say that, okay? I mean, we're equal partners here, but at the end of the day, the final say so lays with me. So, um, because my approach is just different from his. Mine is more, I must serve. I must serve until I can't serve anymore with the best quality the kindness with the, I must serve my clients this way. Um, maybe I've, they spent tens of thousands of dollars sending me to Covey seminars when I was in corporate America. They've uh -huh. invested a lot of money in, with management in me. And those things are with me. They're part of my company. I brought them in. I must serve. I love serving people. Um, to get, I don't know, maybe women feel different about serving them. Men are like, let's do the job. Okay, the job's done. Check it off. I mean, they do care, but that heart and service spirit is like, okay, they're very methodic, very technical. It's done. Here's a list. But I think they're just that man-woman thing that we have that more passion and stuff, and, and they're more get it done. Here's, here's how it goes. He's so good. He's so clear. He's so detailed. But it's that the service thing. element yeah it's that it's thing a... i have and he told me because i gotta tell you one thing there's a few things that nobody will ever be able to do that you do nobody can communicate the way you communicate and nobody can design things the way you do you'll never hire anyone to take your place because they won't do it so how do you measure success for your business so i don't measure success by money or our income, I don't, I can look at the bottom line every month and that doesn't, you know, whether it's, you know, six figures, seven figures and whatever it is, I look at that and I always say, oh, well, there's room to grow that or I know a way I can grow that. And it's like, you don't have enough days and time in your day to grow that, you need to sleep because I am that person, I am type A. And if I, I can grow that, I just, I don't have to sleep, but I can grow that. I can take any element of business and I, know, and I can grow that. <laughs> I was say, no, you can't. But um, I think I measure it by A, value metrics. So with my clients, I have to prove to them, I send them reports. So success to me is if I'm managing your social accounts, I need value metrics to prove what I'm doing to you. If I can't prove what I'm doing for you, and I have no analytics, and I'm an analytics girl, then I'm not successful at doing what you need me to do to grow your business out there. So I would say that's kind of my number one. I'm very adamant, not only serving them, but making sure I have hard 
value metric analytics to back up what I say I can do for you. I can grow your business. I can get you buyers, sellers, leads, whatever. And I need to prove that number. The second way is by what I hear out there. Like, you know how Facebook is? It's kind of squirrely, but I'll be sitting there and my name will pop up and people say, I got tagged somewhere and I look up at the post and it says, yeah, I'm looking for a great social media marketer for my real estate. And somebody, I don't even know, says, oh, here she is. And they tag my name. I don't know that person. Um, happens. I'm like, thank you, Beth, so much. I don't know Beth, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I was on a call before us, a guy, John, he goes, I watch you on social media all the time. I'm ready to grow my real estate business. Oh, and who are you? John, okay but they are watching. So I'm very careful, Ace, um, who I am on social media. Yes. Um, I don't post anything. There's no current events or current social injustices or controversies. There's no political things. There's no religious things. Although people know I'm a faith-based person because I've had to tell some people I don't do things like that. Okay. So, um, so that's one way, um, I, I measure success by these people and they'll send up like reviews. She's the best I've ever had. And I've paid for plenty of people, but I've never heard it, you know, um, or she's so kind. It's that kindness thing that I get, um, you know, oh, we've had a few mistakes, but there's nobody that's going to go off the side of the bridge for you. Like Shelly will, she'll go over the deep end. So that to me is my, is how I measure success. That is really, I think that's the proper focus also. It's about giving, you're going back to the service element side of it and being able to measure the service. Um, that's their kindness that falls into servant leadership. So like you're, you're speaking my language and I already feel that connection. One thing, well, if I can just jot it in, I've never had a knock on wood, a bad review everywhere. When, if anybody ever wants to leave my company, I find out why. Most of the time it's because they can't afford it anymore. Or they're not, they're going out of business. But I always, I want them to leave with a love, with love. Great. And it's been a whole month. You know what? I'm just going to refund your whole month anyway, just so you feel good to start over. I'm going to give you extra assets and pictures all branded for a full month. When you leave, you're getting a parting gift from me. So how can people get in touch with you? Well, um, I found you on Facebook. <laughs> really? I don't know how it happens, but people tell me it happens. I have not tried it. If you just type in Shelly Costello in the search bar, it's like, I know there are other Shelly Costello, but I just pop up. Um, normally all the time first on people across the country. And I know our, our analytics, our algorithms to be different, but I, I pop up. So, and I look relatively the same on every picture, even though they're different, but yeah. Uh, Shelly Costello. That's put that in. Find me. I should pop up. I'm on Facebook. My business page should pop up. And you can do me a messenger. My website is creativewebconceptsusa.com. And um, anybody can call me, text me. I got a phone number. I'm free to give it out if you want me to. Oh, feel free. You can, absolutely can. <laughs> it's 407-840-5763. Uh, That's 407-840-5763. Uh, my clients, anybody, are free to call me, text me. And uh, yeah, LinkedIn is my resume and my results. So I'm Shelly Costello on LinkedIn. And I think I pull up there. So yeah, I've got 
over 600 reviews on LinkedIn. So yeah, that's my kind of resume. I All the up. fame. Yeah, for um, sure. But, but key, I have been in business here for 20 years and I've hosted networking groups um, all over Central Florida with thousands of people. So my direct contact, I mean, my direct contact base here in Central Florida is about 100,000 uh, over the years. So everyone that people know me, so I'm very careful, you know, my how I present myself, how my business is presented, what I say, what I do in public, what I put on social media, but because everybody knows me <laughs> and when everybody knows you, you're kind of more careful what you do. But yes, feel free to reach out to me. I interviewed Stacy Ruth, the founder and CEO of Air Health, which empowers people to take control of their respiratory conditions. It's a blended product. It's something that the patient can actually hold in their hand and use, but it has a companion app and it helps you, it helps the patient be more proactive with their respiratory care. So I am uh, three years out of a pretty significant corporate executive role, always in healthcare, and I learn so much every single day. So I started my business in um, mid-2018, and things have been going quite well since then. Uh, I, I knew healthcare very, very well, but had always known it from a Fortune 500 perspective. I had known um, healthcare technology for most of my career, either selling it or developing it, and had a real comfort around the market. Had no idea what to expect starting my own business though in the space. And everything from raising money, which has been pretty hard, but pretty successful, um, getting those first uh, moments of traction and recognition, all that's been coming uh, mostly lately. Um, and we had an opportunity to do something really cool, which was acquire a technology to advance our business faster. So I, I acquired a business um, to get their intellectual property earlier this year. So can't wait to tell you all about it, but it has been, these years have gone by super fast. Uh, and I've learned more in the 18, 24 months, um, you know, since this got started than I have in a, in a lifetime uh, in a of working in business, right? Because here's the thing. We think that we know business when we work in it, but when you're the head of it, it changes everything. And especially with fundraising. As a woman in business uh, trying to fundraise, the, the, the bar is really high. And it's sometimes very hard for women to be able to get the same breaks that men get. And I think that's something that our listeners would love to know more about um, without disclosing anything that's, you know, problem there. But on the same hand, it's it's got to be so rewarding. What is the part that has been just like absolutely really rewarding for you? It has been very rewarding. Um, you know, I, I, I had the experience of working with people, of course, and leading very large teams. But when you handpick those team members, right, when every day it's you and a handful of people that are leading the business, that are running the business, uh, facing every challenge together, that's been very special and something that I, I've really enjoyed um, for, for sure. Mm, yeah, and one of the things, the reason why I wanted to start my own business, uh, rather than be just a one person, you know, her, you know, the brand, 
me being the brand, I wanted a company that was a brand, is I really wanted the opportunity to have employees. I know that comes with so much responsibility and I definitely feel that. I would think that it's rewarding on one hand because I have these people that are with me, they believe in me, we share the same vision. But on the same hand, it's like taking care of a tribe, you know, a big giant family. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about that? I definitely feel a different level of responsibility. Um, I've led people for a very long time, over 20 years, but it, it is different when, um, I mean, you, you're responsible for the whole person if you yeah. will. And I, you know, accept that, uh, boldly accept that. And, uh, and you really have to think about um, everything from uh, what the work environment is to where are you going to set up shop to um, is everyone getting what they need very early, as you know, uh, with a startup very early, it's okay, is there enough money to pay people? Fantastic, let's hire some people. Is there, um, and if not, then is there something with equity that you could do to help people? Uh, are you gonna allow people to have other jobs or not have other jobs? Is there any way that you can help them with benefits, right? What are mm -hmm. some other things beyond compensation that, that you could do to really help a person feel whole? Um, you know, getting their families involved, different things. So it's been uh, interesting to see people respond. Uh, it's also been interesting to see people leave what I would consider to be, you know, very big jobs, right? Right. To come and follow me, if you will. And that's been humbling. And it's been an experience that, yes, you feel responsible and I am responsible, right? Um, but I'm also responsible for, for being sure that people are having a good experience and, mm -hmm. and we're trying very hard at Air Health to be sure that our employees are at the center of everything that we do. Well, you and I met at Rollins Venture Pitch, and that's when I first learned about Air Health. So tell our listeners more about what Air Health is, because that was the genesis of when, at least when we first met. I remember being in the room and we were there and you were telling me about the product. So go ahead and share that. Absolutely. So Air Health is a respiratory care company. And what that basically means is we provide products that love on your lungs, okay? So the very first product, and when you met me first, uh, was a nebulizer product, which is a drug delivery device that takes a liquid medication and turns it into a mist. And that mist gets inhaled into your lungs. And that is a, a regulatory cleared product. So which means we're going all the way through the FDA product, even with a small company. And beyond that, um, you know, there's a whole different way that you commercialize those products. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we acquired another company that focuses on lung analytics. So it's a whole machine learning and AI arm uh, to lung health. And we're very happy um, to be implementing those technologies as we speak into our latest solution. So a bit beyond when you first met me, we've gone from a device company into a full software company. I would think that with COVID, your product and services would be really in demand right now. Most certainly very much in demand. Um, it, there, there's, uh, COVID is, is, we're not sure exactly what's happening yet with lungs in the post-COVID world, but we do know that there will be a certain amount of people that have chronically impacted lungs that didn't have lung disease prior to having COVID. 
Same could be true with the heart, by the way, but most definitely from a respiratory perspective, there are already 150 million people. So one out of every three to four people have something going on with their lungs. Oh, many, wow. Yes, many of those chronic. Some of them outgrow it. So some children have problems and they outgrow it. Some people have mild enough symptoms that they're, they're not really medicated or don't need <clears throat> to be considered chronic. Um, but many, many people have lung disease uh, and Air Health uh, as a company, we're designed to really take care of those lungs when a person is at home. So outside of the clinical setting. Hmm. Amazing. Well, what are the challenges that you've experienced? I know you touched on it. We did touch on it earlier about the responsibility that we'll feel as the head of the company, the leader, if you will. Um, what other challenges have you experienced that you would like to share? Because we are celebrating women in small business. And I'm going to tell you, this, I think this is the hardest thing I have ever, ever done. Forget having kids, forget, you know, <laughs> even deaths of people. It's just like, oh my gosh, this, when you drink the Kool-Aid, it is all consuming. <laughs> It is, it's not only hard, but it's a roller coaster. So they, it's up and down and up and down. And sometimes I'm up and down in a day, right? Sometimes in the morning I'm up and by the afternoon I'm at the bottom. And then, and then I get up the next day and I think it's gonna be at the bottom, but it just shoots right back up to the top. I've never oh. had experienced anything that creates such turmoil. Um, so yes, it, it is hard. Um, I think some of the hardest parts that I have found have been really around, I mean, the money raising part, let's face it, that's super hard. That uh, is. It's super hard. And, um, and there's a bit more, how do you say this? There's a bit more of myself wound up in, in, in this situation than there was when I was a professional or an executive in a large company. I mean, oh, so, wow. so I, I am more the brand than I ever have been, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, it is your personal credibility that carries a lot of weight when you step onto the stage or step into a room. Um, and, you know, I, I do happen to have 20 years of experience in the field that I'm in, which is fantastic and adds a lot of credibility, but I still have to earn it every time I, I walk into a room and ask someone to invest in the company. I know what you mean. I'm going to be experiencing that for my first time on Monday. I have a call with an investor group and it's always all about, you know, how much credibility do I bring to the table? It's also something, this was uh, something that another woman had told me if they like you. And I went, oh my God. So it's chemistry also. And so it's like dating, right? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> you got to have the credibility. You got to be likable. They want to be able to, you know, continue to do business with you, if you will, because yeah. you're with them for a while, hopefully. You absolutely. But I got, I've got to tell you, so I, um, I kind of live by the Goldilocks theory. And I don't know if you, if you've ever heard of the Goldilocks theory for women, um, you can't get too stuck in it's too hot. It's too cold. You got to be just right. And I sort of put myself out there probably a little hot than cold. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, if you can't take me for what I am, right, then it's probably not a good fit. Money or no money, right? There's yeah. got to be some element of, it is sort of like a dating relationship. You got to kind of see me at my, 
you know, on the warmer side, the colder side, I, I can't be just so, so that, so that yeah. you love me. So, I really yeah. like that. The Goldilocks theory. I I've heard of that one. I don't think I had it explained to me that way, but, um, I can identify with it for sure. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because honestly, if you're going to be, I personally, I think everything is like dating, whether it's, I'm going to say an investor, but also whether it's the people you're going to work with, the people in your family, those that are your friends, like they've got to like you for the good and the bad. And this, we yeah. have to do the same, right? Yes. And so. with your team as well. I mean, there's, there's always a way to counterbalance a little bit your leadership style, right? And I always look for people who balance me a little bit. And, um, and part of when you're saying what has been hard, um, it's hard work to find the right team and the right balance of people, but it is the hard work that you should put in because my job is made easier as CEO, as a, as a co-founder, as the person raising money, the responsible party, that's all made easier because of who I've, who I've selected and who has come on board with air health. So without that team, we wouldn't be where we are. Mm. Yes, so true, so true. So what advice would you give to other women? Um, because so many women in Central Florida, they know your name, they know your story, um, but they also look up to you, right? And so in your own community, you have that, but everywhere you go, anytime there's a press release that's out or anything that's published with your name, what advice would you give to women that are either just starting or have been doing this a while? Because sometimes it's different pieces of advice, right? It is different, but I think if you start from a level of authenticity, and I want everyone to know that you are enough. If you decide that this is what you want to do with your life, if you want to be an entrepreneur, fantastic. You are enough. You can do it. Um, I think it's about really assessing and being, um, being very honest with yourself up front to know what drives you, what motivates you. I think it's very important to own it. Um, and to do that, you have to be very transparent, very authentic, and you have to have some level of vulnerability. So going into raising money as an example, never had that experience and didn't try to pretend like I was going to be great at it. So basically said, can someone please teach me how to do this? And people raise their hands. Um, and I appreciate that you say looking up to and, and being a bit in the public eye, um, but I would say that um, you can only be comfortable in the public eye if you are authentic. So that's why, you know, people, again, sometimes it's, I'm a little too much. <laughs> Very rarely is anyone going to say that I'm not enough, but, but a little too much for some people. And I just, I just own it and uh, try to balance a bit of that intensity with kindness and with respect for people. And um, even though I might be an intense businesswoman, uh, there's definitely a side there that, um, that I deeply care for people. And I would encourage everyone to know yourself, be really kind and, and generous to the people around you and um, be as authentic as you possibly can. Yeah, that is sound advice. I, I don't know if I would have said anything any different. I agree with everything you said. And it, I guess it goes back to treat people how you want to be treated also, you know, at the end of the day, kindness, respect. Mm -hmm. It's always good. Well, how can people find you, whether it's on LinkedIn, your company, what's your website, all of that good stuff? Yes. So we're air with an E, okay? A-I-R-E health, 
So our website is aire.health. So we're a .health extension. So you can find me there. Uh, my LinkedIn is off of the website. It's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, so you can find me through through the website would probably be the best way. I'm very active on LinkedIn um, and I try to uh, to engage with anyone who wants to reach out. So I, I encourage it. Um, and most definitely, um, uh, I, I think it would be awesome if you wanted to reach out to me. You can find me those two ways. Um, I would also say that um, uh, in the local community, uh, I think, and, and beyond, because I know this this uh, will go beyond, yeah. it's really to think about um, finding a mentor. And I, mm -hmm. you know, will put myself out there a little bit for the local community. Um, advisors and things like that are a little bit different, but really find that network of women, find find those mentors that are willing to to accept you into their fold. And, and I feel like I'm one of those women uh, that would be willing to help people along the way. So I'll put that out there as an offer as well. Well, and you mentioned something about helping people and I don't wanna you know leave our show without also uh, acknowledging you. Thank you, Air Health. Thank you, Stacy. You contributed to the donations that helped um, the Orlando Salvation Army Women and Children's Center. Thank you so much for the generosity that you extended. We delivered that. We took pictures of it. We posted it on social. We, we tagged your company. I didn't tag you, but we tagged your company on it. We're going to do another one about it again. Um, just because that really makes a difference of giving back to the community. Sometimes it's the people we don't know that we can help so much also. Absolutely. We have to find where we can make the biggest impact. So Robin, you talked with people on the street again and you asked them a question. Who are the women in small business they believe are successful and why? What were their responses? I have a friend, Kim De Pasquale, who is a successful small business owner. I think she owns a, a yoga studio called Breathe Salt Yoga. And I think she's successful because she works hard. She works long hours. She listens to what people want from her business. I think women can be very successful small business owners because uh, particularly in the fields of engineering, social, environmental sciences, and even construction and other services, particularly those services that are uh, dependent on government contracts. Government contracts give extra credit or points to uh, women-owned small businesses, particularly in uh, those fields that I mentioned previously, and give them an advantage when there's competitive bids, which there usually are. So. Uh, and I think the women in, in these professional uh, fields um, can be very good at managing people and um, getting projects done under budget and on time and uh, have proven that over the years. So, Women small business owners do what any successful business owner does. They create a product or a service that works for the people they want to deliver it to. One reason that could be so successful is because of support from the community for smaller businesses, especially ones owned by women. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. 
Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios.